When you read about a widow in the Bible, that generally means that she is a character in the story who is on the brink of economic collapse. The widow in the story from Kings with Elijah is one example. She says in that very kind of haunting phrase, I was about to bake the last morsel of of oats for me and my son so that we may eat it and die. They had nothing else because back then and for many centuries afterwards, women were rarely allowed to work. And if you did not have a husband to provide the economic uh, stability for you, or if you did not have a grown son, you were in big trouble. This woman in the reading from Kings has a child, a son, but he's small and they are destitute. Unless they can get support from other relatives or neighbors or friends or some community to which they belong, they are done for. We also hear about widows in the psalm we said today, Psalm 146, God sustains the orphan and widow. And of course, the widow who gives the widow's might in today's gospel reading. So whenever you see or read about a widow in the Bible, that is almost always code for on the edge of disaster. Yet here's a widow in the gospel reading placing two copper coins in the collection. All she has. There are people who are wealthy who put in large sums and the treasury is this place that apparently you can kind of look down on and watch what people are giving because that's what Jesus and his disciples are doing and one might suspect others do that as well to compare and contrast. Uh, So these people are putting in large sums and yet she puts in two little copper coins and I imagine you can hear the little plink, plink that lets everyone know how small her offering is uh, as opposed to the thunk, thunk of the denarii, let's say, that other people are putting in. And yet Jesus says she has given more than anyone else because she has given from her need. She's given all she has. And my first thought when realizing this was the reading for the gospel reading for today was, we should have stretched stewardship season out one more week. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. But, um, you know, By the way, it's been a wonderful stewardship season, and I thank you all. So there are two things I would like to note about the widow's act of putting in those copper coins. Those copper coins, we—we—we—we. the story is called the widow's might. Might are like little things, and, you know, maybe not my generation, but an older generation might have called little kids, oh, you little mite, come here, you little mite. So that's where you get the little mite from. So there are two things I want to note about what the widow does in front of everyone. First of all, I believe that by going forward in front of all those people who may be watching and plunking in those two little copper coins, she is saying in her own very brave way, I matter. It matters that I am here. I love God and I want to show my love for God by giving all that I can. And it's not much but I'm not going to pretend that I don't belong here. And that's a brave act. I matter. She puts in those coins, risks some derision, knows that it's not a lot. She knows. She knows hunger. And she puts them in because it's important to her to stand up and say, me too, here, I belong. 
So um, this story reminds me of when I was at my home parish in the 2000s, Church of the Advent in San Francisco. And um, I was on sometimes on the team that would count the money afterwards. And almost invariably, we would have a strange total. It would be, you know, the checks and the pledges, but then there'd be this loose, uh, you know, these 20s and 10s and et cetera. And there'd be like 53 cents. And... <laughs> I remember thinking, who's putting like a dollar fifty-three or fifty-three cents in the collection plate? What is that about? And you have to count them out, so it's a little annoying, right? Well, um, after a few months of that, I realized that on occasion there would be some homeless people who would come and sit in the back of the church, and they wouldn't necessarily come up for communion; they were going to be too shy. But they were the ones putting the coins in the plate because that's all they had, and. They wanted to say, I love God, and I want to show that I matter, and that I'm a part of this community. And even though it's only 53 cents, they did it. And that was, you know, probably not out of their surplus. That might be some money they collected just that morning. So that was a lesson for me. <laughs> and it's a lesson for all of us. You know, um, it's... <laughs> It's not so much how much, it's, it's how, that you're doing it for love, that you're doing it because you want to say, I'm a part of this too. It's for commitment. Now, I don't want you to go and decrease your pledges. That's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> uh, but um, this kind of brings me to the second thing I want to say about the widow and her action and what I think it says to us. And... Um, this is, this is something that might make you squirm. It makes me squirm. So that's a trigger warning for you, I guess. The widow giving basically out of her need is an indictment against convenience. And let me explain. All the other folks are giving out of their abundance. They're giving, you know, and they, you know, they might be millionaires in those days. And they're giving a bunch of money. And it's important. You know, we've got to run the church, etc. Um, but um, many of us, and myself included, we, we only go so far as it conveniences us. When it gets to the point of being uncomfortable or difficult, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about, well, I'll tell you a couple of things that I'm talking about that might make you squirm. Um, when we only live within the means of our convenience, we aren't stretching ourselves and making possible transformation. Um, if you only do what comes easy, you're not growing. That is everything. That is, um, you know, you're not, um, it's not just giving money to the church, it's taking risks to help others, taking risks to better yourself. Um, it's everywhere. Convenience is so comfortable. I wouldn't mind sleeping in on Sunday mornings and binge-watching Netflix for the day. Uh, I might do that later, but, um, you know, so there's convenience. And, and there's something else I want to say, and I, I apologize if this hurts anyone's feelings. Uh, I was noticing lately, I was like, you know, we've got a lot of new faces in the pews, and this is so nice. And, um, and then I realized, but the numbers really haven't changed in the totals, you know, like we have 85 people over three services on a weekend. And I thought, well, what's going on? There are all these new people. Well, some of the regulars aren't coming. <laughs> and I realized that a few folks only come when they're scheduled for ushering or lecturing 
or doing something here at the altar. And I don't want to point any fingers, but um, that's good because you're participating. And a lot of those people do stuff in other ways. They're on the vestry. They do stuff with coffee hour. They do all these things. But it's so funny that um, they don't come unless they're scheduled. And I caught someone on it. It was like, well, I, I won't be there. I'm not scheduled. Oh, are you out of town? No, no, I'm just not scheduled. And I said, huh. <laughs> and um, so I invite you all to consider coming on a Sunday when you don't have anything you need to do here. Um, because it helps our sense of community. When the pews are fuller and your bright, shining face is there to greet new people and to touch base with the people who are here often, it's a blessing. Um, but I understand, you know, sometimes it's nice to sleep in and read the paper or watch the football game or, you know, I don't know, go jogging or whatever it is we do, you know. Uh, but uh, it's convenient, you know, and, and it's, I think our culture in general lives with convenience. And it's hard not to fall into that. So um, the widow, her little story of what she does, is sort of an indictment against convenience. Inconvenience yourself and you will be transformed. The best example I can think of, other than the story I'm going to tell you in a moment, is I have a trainer and I go to the gym once a week and do a training session with my trainer. And I seem to think that that one time a week is going to be enough to make me lose 50 pounds and be buff in, you know, th three weeks. <laughs> and that's not how it works. You have to keep at it. It's an inconvenience to get up early and go to a training session or go to the gym. It's an inconvenience to not have that slice of cake I so want to have. Um, and I usually have it, frankly. But um, I'm not going to transform if I keep thinking I only want to do what's easy and what comes naturally or comfortable. Now, I know a lot of you already do this in your life. You inconvenience yourselves for the good, for the greater good, whatever that means for you. I'm not just talking about church. I'm not just talking about holiness. I'm talking about becoming your best self. I'm talking about reading the books that are going to help you understand another culture. I'm talking about taking the trips that are going to help you broaden your horizons. I'm talking about giving to an organization that, you know, you have always thought they do good work. So... Be inconvenienced. And here's my story of that in my life. In September of 2004, uh, I was a member of Church of the Advent in San Francisco. And it was an evening and we had had an altar guild potluck at someone's house. And uh, the rector and I were walking back to the church together. And uh, as we were walking along, he said to me, and he's British, I'm going to attempt a British accent, let's see. Uh, he said, you know, Ricardo, I, I have been waiting for you for a year to come to me, and I'm tired of waiting. You have a calling to the priesthood, and you must be a priest. And I, <laughs> my response was, ha, 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 That's hilarious. He said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. You have a calling to the priesthood. You have a natural reverence at the altar, and you draw community to you. People are drawn to you, and that's important in a priest. And frankly, the church needs you. I said, well, that's really nice. Um, thanks, but no thanks. And he said, well, why not? And like they were on the tip of my tongue, I said, well, I can think of three reasons. Uh, first of all, my faith is weak. I don't know what I believe. I have doubts. And how can I be a priest and lead a congregation with doubts? Second thing is, I'm kind of selfish. I, want, I don't want to spend my time on other people's problems. I've got my own problems. And then the third was, I don't want to be poor. 
So he said, well, don't worry so much about your faith. That will work itself out in the process. And also, it's the Episcopal Church. You get to believe a lot of different things. <laughs> There's not a dogma that you have to sign on to uh, or else. You know, there is a spectrum and an encompassing, embracing uh, uh, difference in how we believe. I said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, and then selfishness will also work itself out. You will find that you are doing more and more for God. I didn't really believe him, but I said, okay. And uh, he said, but yes, you'll be poor. <laughs> Which is not really the case if you can find a job in the Episcopal Church, I think. So um, I said, you know, thank you, but no thank you. I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, how about if we leave it at this? If God wants you, God will get you. Your only job is to remain open to the possibility and let it come if it chooses to. And I said, sure, that sounds good. So, you know, we sort of shook on it and that was that. And I thought that was that really. But within the week... Uh, I'm in some other neighborhood in San Francisco some morning walking along in shorts and a t-shirt minding my own business and there's a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk and he looks up and he says good morning father <laughs> I looked at him and I thought what was that about uh, and then there were about three more of those things that happened within the next month or so and I just thought oh man this is not good. Uh, <laughs> and you know, there's that phrase you might have heard, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Well, I was getting a lot of anonymity <laughs> in, those, in those few months. And so finally I thought, okay, maybe this is something. So I go back to the rector and I say, look, okay, all this stuff happened. I'm still not interested, but... I'm not going to do it unless I know I can do a good job. And he said, well, why don't you start a ministry here at the church? I said, okay, good. But if it doesn't work, I'm not going to be a priest. So I started a book club. And this parish is smaller than ours. And it has but maybe it, back then it had about 60 people on a Sunday. And so Tuesday night book club, uh, first, first time, there were like 25 or 30 people. They come out at night. Someone brought soup. Someone brought bread. Someone brought things to drink. We had a great time. And I was like, <laughs> and it kept going. And in fact, it went on for two years uh, and kept going after I left. And then I said, okay, well, I've got to try something else. I'm still not convinced. And I really, I'm, this sounds like I'm making it up, but this is how I was thinking. And I said, I've got to do another ministry. And if that one doesn't work, I'm not going to be a priest. He said, well, we have this diocesan walkathon, and we can't get a team together. So I said, okay, I'll see if I can do that. So I started asking people, asking people, lo and behold, we get 17 people. We go to the diocese, and we win the trophy for most walkers of any parish <laughs> with our little church. And I thought, darn it. <laughs> so, you know, after that, I thought, well, maybe this is something. Maybe this is something I'm called to do. I don't want to do it. I was answering phones at a fr the front desk of an important law firm, 8, to 4, 4, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., done for the day, had my weekends to myself, all of that. But I did it, and frankly, it was kicking and screaming through most of it. But um, here I am, and I would say that my life is no longer my own. You know, A little bit like the widow and her might, I'm kind of giving all I have. And I don't get a chance to binge watch Netflix. And I don't get a chance to read the five novels that are stacked up on my dining room table. I'm here six days a week. And I'm not complaining. 
I'm maybe a little. I'm not <laughs> but the, the point is, um, I made the mistake, if you will, of, of saying yes in small increments uh, over time. And before I knew it, here I am. And I'm eternally grateful. It's hard. It's not what I, what I would have chosen. Sometimes I get grumpy. Uh, but most times I'm really grateful. And um, there is something in your life. There is a way in which you are calling, you are being called by God to inconvenience yourself. I don't know what it is, but you might. And until you step forward out of your comfort zone and give it a try, transformation can't happen. And, you know, despite the comforts of life as it is, there's actually a more joyful way to be. And if you're not doing it, it's a shame, you know. I someday still miss answering phones at that law firm and leaving at 4 p.m. and being able to sleep in. Uh, but I had no idea what was in store for me. And this is such a joy and a blessing. So inconvenience yourself. That is the message that the widow gives us when she steps forward and puts in those two mites in the treasury in front of everyone and says, I matter here. And like her, may you step forth and put in whatever those two mites are for you and let yourself be transformed into something new. Amen.